Welcome to IVF Tales, a podcast hoping to make the world of fertility treatment less lonely. We want to start conversations about different fertility journeys to empower your decisions and build a community that understands. Each week we will speak to someone whose journey to having a child has taken a little bit more than a few vodka cruises. We are your hosts, Tiffany and Amy. Welcome to IVF Tales Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tiffany. Today, myself and my husband, Joseph. Hi, how are you? We'll be talking about our fertility journey. So a little background on us. We've been married five years, together 10. Uh, We've got a dog, Benson, and a daughter now who's almost two. I work in administration for a not-for-profit. I like to bake and cook and I enjoy doing things at home more than going out. Definitely. But, yeah. What about yourself, Jay? Uh, I work for a manufacturing company. Um, Very much the same. I like spending time at home with my family. Like, we... You could almost call us hermits. We, we like to we have a very small group of friends and we enjoy time together. We, yeah, we enjoy hanging out together and, and putting our time and energy into our daughter. Yeah. So, as I said, we've been together 10 years now and married for five of those years. And having a family was something that was always very important to us and something we discussed from early on in our relationship. Yeah, it's definitely something that you were very clear on when we when we first started dating. Like we were not I think we were sort of seeing each other and, and you mentioned to me that you didn't wanna waste any time. Yeah, I didn't wanna be in a relationship if it wasn't going to eventually lead to marriage and children and like I wanted to be on the same page yeah. there. You were a 20-year-old that knew exactly what you want. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah, so we started dating 2010. December 2nd. (laughs) She asked me out on a keynote ticket. So we moved in together very quickly after that. Yeah, it was a few months, I think. And, um, yeah, it was a very... Whirlwind romance. Yeah, whirlwind. Like we we met at a, a second birthday, mm-hmm. uh, so it was very clear early on that we sort of surrounded ourselves with people that were family people. They had mm-hmm. young families, and that's something that both of us had Talked wanted. Yeah. And um, Tip was very clear with that very early on that that's what she wanted, and she didn't want to waste any time. Yeah, I mean, we did have a couple of years where we didn't sort of worry about it so much. We just enjoyed being together and going to festivals and... Being young. Yeah. Um, And then we got engaged in 2012. The end of 2012. And that was really the the start of sort of settling down. Yeah. We, we, We were still enjoying our friendship circle and and going out and but it's also started conversations of more serious conversations of wanting to start a family and it was a very 
traditionalists, I guess, in the sense that... You wanted to be married. I wanted to be married before I had kids, but at the same time, we were... I was like, we were hook, line and sinker. Yeah, we knew it was the real deal. That's it. I think... um, So we decided to have a long engagement and planned a wedding for the end of 2014. Um, end of 2014, so probably six months before that, I stopped birth control and we stopped being overly cautious as far as contraception went. Yeah, we um, were never super cautious, were we? No, but I think we sort of accepted the fact that if I were to be pregnant at the wedding, we would it wouldn't be the end of the world. We'd be no. happy with that. I think we were going to be happy with children. Whenever it happened. Whenever it happened, but I think there was those... Those moments in life where you think, oh, well, wouldn't it be amazing to announce it at this point, whether it be a wedding or be able to announce a honeymoon baby. Yeah. Or, and we had all of those dreams and dreams and those YouTube Pinterest moments. boards. And, <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so married in November 2014, sort of went on our honeymoon and didn't stress too much about babies and yeah. came home and started to you know, think about it a bit more seriously and give it a little bit more effort, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think we sort of, I don't think we started tracking cycles straight away, but it was no, definitely it was something that was, we sort of worked out when you were ovulating and, and sort of tried to take advantage of that, take advantage of it as much as possible. And then... Yeah, I feel like we were, I feel like we made a lot of life changes at that point too. Yeah, I think, yeah, about that six month mark where nothing was happening, we sort of went, okay, well, we need to start eating a little bit better and cut down on the caffeine and drinking or, you know, not having a wine with dinner. I um, changed jobs because I thought maybe the stress was affecting our ability to fall pregnant. I was in a job that I wasn't very happy in and a bit stressed and upset. And It was very long days for you as well. You left home at 7 o'clock in the morning and didn't yeah. get home until 6, 6.30 at night. And I know that's a short day for some people, but uh, for us it, was, it, it seemed long. very long. And yeah, it was emotionally draining as well as physically. So Yeah. But, yeah, from that point we sort of, yeah, made those changes and kept plodding along and started to pay a bit more attention to my cycle and tracking it in apps and I sort of paid attention to, you know, the mucus and the changes that happen and all of those things and felt that I could pinpoint when I was ovulating. Um, yeah, it was just a, a very detailed and... Of probably a very big learning curve. Mm. We were able to, as you say, almost pinpoint when these things were happening, and and we needed to, we needed to understand when they were happening as well. Because Tiff was very regular with her periods, and and with that, we thought that you were going to be. Yeah, I think once we sort of worked out and did all the reading and the research of the best days to conceive, we thought it'd just be a matter of time, a couple of months, and. It had happened, but it's not the way it worked. Unfortunately not. So after about, I guess it was just over 12 months of 
trying, that we sort of had a conversation that, you know, we both realised that maybe there was something wrong. It just wasn't happening for us, so we decided to each go to a GP and ask for some advice and some testing to be done. So my GP sent me off for an ultrasound that showed um, some cysts on my ovaries and I had a blood test. But yeah, the doctor sort of said that she thought I had polycystic ovaries and that might be the issue. And your GP sent you off for sperm analysis. Yes. So the joys of sperm analysis and going through a very awkward situation, especially the first time. Like it's going into a normal blood test, like just going in and, and talking to them about what you need. And they gave me the option to do the, uh, to do the deposit on site or whether to sort of take it home and, and do it at home and just in the sense of awkwardness and not understanding exactly what's going on. So I was able to trouble on home and get it all done. Um, but they had very specific guidelines on, on what I needed to do with the sperm coming back in the sense of maintaining it at body temperature, not letting it get too hot or too cold. Um, so I, I tucked it into my pocket and, and headed off back down it and dropped it off. And I can't remember if it was 30 or 45 minutes, but it had to be back within a, a pretty quick time after ejaculation. Um, but in the coming days, I received a phone call from them saying that there had been an issue with my test. And unfortunately, they, they wanted me to do another test. Yeah, so, so they, they thought that your sperm was really bad. Yeah. It wasn't showing anything, no mobility, yeah, nothing so they, really happening. Yeah, and the, the, the lady that I spoke to, she was very good. She said instead of sort of going through the whole GP route again, she said, why don't we just do another test? and Make sure it wasn't make sure the test spoiled wasn't, or yeah. tainted. So once again, back down to... The blood test clinic and, and picked up another Container. another kit, as to say, another brown paper bag. And um, again, this time, I guess I was just a lot more cautious. Like, we was quite hot mm-hmm. uh, at that time of the year. So, yeah, it's just ensured that I wasn't having it in the direct sunlight or, or anything like that and, and got back down there as quickly as possible. But um, again, a few days later, received received the results and giving myself internal high fives like they came back unreal like everything was fantastic mobility was really good the sperm count was really high um so yeah so i like i was You're very pleased with yourself at I that was. point <laughs> so but i guess in the in the long run it's just one of those things that it might show a really positive sign at the start, but you need to, but the results might come back to bite you on the bum in the end. So I think it was hard for me at that stage as well, thinking that, you know, I was the issue and you'd had these fantastic results and mine were not so good. And I felt a bit shitty and 
that I was letting you down. Yeah, and at the same time, like, it's, like, looking back on it now, from the whole journey, like, I feel like it's something that I really regret. It's definitely something that I would advise other people not to do. You may have very positive results, but at the end of the day, you're a team. Yeah. So whether one gets positive and the other gets negative, it still could be very difficult. Yeah. Everything changes the further you get into it. Definitely. Um, But, yeah, from there, GP referred us to one of the big clinics. Um, The original doctor that she referred us to was booked months in advance and we sort of didn't want to wait. So we asked for a new referral to just a different doctor. I think we may have looked online and just picked someone out from their photo and a little bio. And, yeah, she updated our referral to him and he sort of managed to fit us in quite quickly. Our first appointment, he sent us off for some more blood tests. So I think you had one vial taken that was a bit traumatic for you. I've never been a fan of needles. (laughs) Um, They took about four or five from me and he'd also referred us down to an imaging clinic within the facility to have a saline histogram. So we booked that in. But yeah, basically that was a bit full on for me. So it's basically a procedure where You book it in at the start of your period and they're checking for blocked tubes and polyps or fibroids, anything that, you know, any issues that could prevent pregnancy. And it's not something I think they do routinely, but our fertility specialist liked to do it at the start just so that you weren't dropping lots of money on treatment and finding out down the track that that was an issue. Um... But yeah, so basically they insert a catheter into your cervical canal, um, into the uterus, and then they ran some saline solution through and then filled my uterus with a, a foam, which was basically like a dye, um, and they do an internal ultrasound once that's all happening, and they watch the dye travel through your tubes and see if there's any blockages or any polyps using that and I was fine I had a little bit of debris that came out but it was nothing that (laughs) would be causing any issues (laughs) um but yeah it wasn't it wasn't pleasant and it was quite uncomfortable but yeah so we went back to the fertility specialist from there and he was happy with those results and um after looking at my bloods and doing some of his own ultrasounds came back and said he didn't think that I had polycystic ovary syndrome. He thought I had polycystic ovaries. So I didn't have any of the hormonal indicators. I was ovulating, you know, like clockwork and everything was fine in that regards. By that point, it was July, 2016, and we'd been married a year and a half. Year and a half, yeah. Um, But yeah, the fertility specialist said he thought the best course of action would be to do an IUI and take some medication to ensure I ovulated and get Joe's sperm and put that back in and clean it up, clean it up, put it back in. And he thought, you know, we were very good candidates to be successful in that. And we decided I'd booked a trip to America with a girlfriend 
for August, September for three weeks. So we thought we'd wait until I'd done that and come home and then get right into the thick of the IUI. Yeah, you were also coming to the end of the contract with work and yeah. it was it was sort of falling into place in the sense of time. So you weren't going to be tied down with a job or anything like that. Well, from what we thought. Yeah. Um, so it was going to be what we thought was going to be a very good time for you to sort yeah, of just... low stress and... Yeah, straight back from a holiday and all of a sudden we <laughs> dove into it. Yeah, so I got home early September, the more 14th or 13th. Um, we went and adopted a dog the day after I got home. That's right. Thinking that, you know, a dog would be a good distraction. Um, and yeah, cause I was home, I wasn't working, so I had a lot of time to devote to him and training him, but we started the IUI process and it just involved, yeah, the one needle on the day of ovulation and then into the clinic to have the sperm put in. Yeah. Yeah. So like we, each time, like, like when we went in for the IUI, we sort of went downstairs for me a couple of hours beforehand and did my deposits and they were able to do their job their job in the <laughs> sense of cleaning everything up and get, getting everything ready to to put back into TIFF. Um, so I think we were quite hopeful at that stage. Like we went and did that and went and had some lunch and were sort of excited about it and hopeful. and Yeah, I guess after like... A couple of years of trying, like properly trying, we we thought like this is exactly what we needed. Like we we had held like great hope, and we thought that this was the step that we needed to be able to to get pregnant. Yeah, but it wasn't. Unfortunately, not. (laughs) Um. So yeah, first IUI in October, and we went straight into another one in November. Yep. So you came to that one as well, and similar thing. You went to the clinic and then we went and did some stuff together and had a nice day and went back in and, yeah, thought, oh, maybe this time. Yeah. I guess each time, like, you you feel like this could be it, like you're a bit more hopeful. There might be something that they do just a little bit differently each Mm -hmm. time or or something that you do a little bit differently each time. Um, Eat the Brazil nuts or the pineapple. Yeah, all those (laughs) old wives' tales that you've read up on and all those things that you can go, oh, maybe this will help it. Maybe this is what I need to get me over the line this time. Yeah, but again, that didn't work. Yeah, unfortunately. That that one led into uh, December IUI, which was a bit traumatising. Yeah, what was going to be the first one that, I wasn't going to be able to yeah. take the day off and, and be with you. Yeah, well, I, our doctor as well was pretty booked up for the day that it was going to fall on and he could sort of only get me in at 3 p.m. and I'd started a new job at that point and couldn't really be asking for a lot of time off. Um, so we sort of said we're not sure what we're going to do and they offered the solution of having one of the nurses in the clinic do it and... She would fit me in at lunchtime. Which we were we were happy with. Yeah, we were really appreciative of that because we thought, oh, you know, it'll be quick and easy. I had an hour lunch break, so yeah. 
there was plenty of time for me to get from the city to the clinic. And And I think it was only a few days beforehand that we sort of found this out, that we were not going to be able to be fit in with our doctor. Yeah. And so we, we sort of rushed around. We'd already got to the point where we were a couple of days out and we wanted to make sure that it, it went as smoothly yeah. as possible and as stress-free as possible because, Which, yeah, I wasn't going to be there. Yeah, so and, I went into work and had, like, a really difficult project that I was working on and had to leave halfway through and hand it off to someone else, so I was a bit stressed and I had to get the train to the clinic and they were only running every 40 minutes or something at that point of the day, so I got the lift, ran over to the train station. I think I just made the train, got off, ran to the hospital, into the clinic and, um, you know, sat down once I checked in and sat down and waited and waited a little bit longer, messaging Joe saying, you know, it's taking a while and freaking out about getting back to work and I think it was like 30 minutes after arriving that I sort of went up to reception and said, you know, has she forgotten me? Am I, am I going to be seen soon? Like I've got to get back to work. My train's going to be here soon. I can't miss it. Um, and they sort of went and spoke to her. She was working on some other things out the back and eventually came and got me about 10 minutes later and took me through and I sort of just broke down because I was sitting there thinking like if I don't go back to work on time I'm going to lose my job and we're paying for all these expensive treatments I need to have a job to pay for them and yeah it was yeah really upsetting I think you just your emotions are heightened at that point so anything can sort of set you off yeah it's a very difficult time like I didn't want I wanted to be able to remove all the stress away from the situation in the sense of having our doctor not being available and you not and being able to be there and not being able to be there. Um, unfortunately, like it sort of almost fell apart. <laughs> it all went to shit. Yeah. And yeah. Tiff was a right mess. And I remember getting phone calls from her when, when she was on her way back to work. Yeah. And um, it wasn't a nice day. No, it wasn't a nice day. (laughs) Thankfully, I think I'd sort of proven myself at work at that point that they were a bit forgiving when I said, you know, I'd gone to a GP appointment and they were running behind and, you know, I had to then wait for another train and I sort of, you know, got in touch with my boss and said I was really sorry. So it all worked out, but, yeah, it was a hard day. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, we had the IUI and I think Christmas, it ended up being that it was Christmas Day that I would test on to see if it had worked. And we had a trip away booked to go visit some friends and spend Christmas with them, which we were really excited about. And, you know, thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if it was positive and we all get up Christmas morning and we can tell them that we're pregnant. Like they were very close friends who you know, had been along for the ride with us and listening to all of our issues and feelings and everything we'd gone through. 
Yeah, I felt like I felt like our star, stars had aligned and yeah, it was all mm, working out. It was all coming together. That Pinterest moment, that, <laughs> that YouTube Christmas moment. morning. Yeah, and yeah, it didn't go that way. Unfortunately, again. <laughs> So I had packed pregnancy tests in my suitcase, of course, and we sort of, Joe was asleep and I woke up like a kid on Christmas morning. As you do every year. (laughs) Big fan of Christmas. Um, And I sort of snuck into the toilet and took the test and sort of stared at it and the control line came up straight away and sort of put it down, not wanting to stare at it um, and checked it after three minutes and it was negative so had a little cry for a little bit and tried to make sure it was quiet so I didn't wake anyone else up and got back into bed and waited for Joe to wake up and then yeah when you woke up I had to tell you what had happened yeah it wasn't wasn't the best start to a Christmas <laughs> that's for sure but um I think, as Tiff mentioned, we were surrounded by some friends that had been very supportive through that time, and I feel that, like, yes. I I think we were in the right place. Yeah. Like, I don't think we would have been able to deal with deal with it the way that we did. If, if we hadn't, yeah. If we were anywhere else. Yeah. I think that was something that was very much in our favour, and I think it was... Yeah, it was it was quite good. Like at the end of the day, although it was a negative test, we we were able to enjoy our Christmas and yeah, drink a little bit and do all, all those things that... that we hadn't been planning on doing. Yeah. Once we were home, we called the fertility specialist, and I I don't know if we we went in for an appointment. Yeah. At that point, just to talk about options, and he sort of thought oh, IVF would be the next step for us and that that would be something that would work um but yes that was january and we sort of decided to go after my next period which would fall the start of february um so he gave us all of the prescriptions and instructions of what to do and once i got my period we called and Went and saw the nurse and got shown how to do the injections. Um, so I was just on a very standard protocol of going all F for about a week. And then um, the Orgalatron, Orgalatron for the second week. God, I can't pronounce it. Um, but yeah, so basically the gonal F was to stimulate my ovaries to produce extra follicles and then... The second drug was to stop me ovulating before the egg pickup. But yeah, so they monitor you, they do bloods and ultrasounds and you know, our ultrasounds went really well. We had plenty of follicles that were growing at the rate they were supposed to be growing at and booked in for our egg pickup, I think after 11 days of medication. Yeah, I think it was sort of towards the middle of uh, February. Yeah. We were getting ready for that egg pickup. Yeah. And it was all, you know, very exciting. We were booked in. I was the first person for egg pickup that day and we arrived at the hospital bright and early and 
full of excitement <laughs> to yeah. an extent. I think we were once again like we this was another step that we thought maybe this is it. Maybe this is what we need to do to to get it done. Like this is is this the golden egg for Tiffany getting pregnant? And um yeah, so yeah, there was lots of excitement. Yeah. We as I said, I think we were was super early and and very excited just to sort of know what was going to be the next step for us. Yeah, we were joking around and, you know, doing what we do and having chats and laughs the whole time and checked in and headed up to the pre-op waiting room and, you know. I scurried off downstairs to drop off some friends. (laughs) Yeah, Um, so when I went into pre-op... After waiting a little while, you went to the clinic and... Yes, went down to the clinic and once again, like, it's, it's such a, a different experience. Like, yeah, compared to my first experience, uh, this was very different. Like, I'd done a couple of de- deposits there already. After, for the IUIs. For the IUIs. So, it's it doesn't make it any easier, but at the same time, like, everybody knows what's going on and... We have a, a clinic that's sometimes got quite a few people in there and, and sometimes yeah. it's empty. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I think a, a male going in there and grabbing a brown <laughs> paper bag off the, off the nurses um, is everybody knows what that person's there for. Yeah. Um, so it can be awkward. And, and so you go in and you sit down, you have a, it's a very clean room. Um, but a couple of dirty magazines and nice DVDs to watch <laughs> if you if you feel like that's your your thing. But um, as most people do, I would assume these days would just flip open their phone and and go for what they need to and, and get the job if, done. I don't know if anyone flips open. Oh, their nobody phone has now. flip phones these days, do they? <laughs> Showing your age. Um, yeah. So you went and did that and. I went into pre-op and, you know, you get changed into your gown and your socks and your cap and sit in a recliner and wait for them to take you through. And I always searched the crowd when we were in those situations. Like, I always looked at everyone around me and wondered if they were doing the same thing we were. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember like consciously doing it, but it's something that like now that you, you mention it and you look back on the situation, like there was, I think it was that visit. There was a guy that I went to school with. He was a couple of grades above me mm-hmm. and he was like three chairs away. away. Yeah. But like he didn't speak yeah. at all because he was there with his wife. Yeah. Um, and like I hadn't... Sp- I still haven't spoken to him and it's like years. Yeah. Um, and like I've been finished school for over 15 years now. And um, yeah, it's just, you, you don't know what their situation is. So you don't want to go into it. Yeah. No, I was, yeah. Tried to make eye contact with people to be like, do they want to chat? Are we, are we here for the same reason? You're just making them all. <laughs> yeah. Why is this strange woman staring at me? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so went and did that, and then they took me through the hospital on a stretcher to go to the operation ward. 
all the day surgery ward, I guess. Do you ever find that weird that they have to wheel you through a whole hospital? Like, why couldn't they all be, like, why couldn't they go room (laughs) after room after room? Yeah. And that's, so you're not. Yeah, it was a bit weird. Like, especially because once I was up into that ward, I sort of waited off in like a little area until they were ready for me in the surgical room. And at that point, I'm pretty sure I got up and walked from the bed to the bed that was in the room that had the stirrups. Expressive dance? Yeah, no, just a casual walk. Okay. Um, But yeah, and sort of spoke to the doctor and the anesthesiologist and fell asleep. And then the next thing I knew, I was waking up to a nurse that was excitedly telling me to look at my hand where they'd written the number of eggs they'd collected, which was 14 eggs, which I was very excited about. And I think at that point I asked if they had called you and they said they had and that they'd take me through to the next area of recovery and you would be there soon. And it was all very exciting. And You were more excited about the tea and sandwiches. Yeah, it was a really good sandwich. So, but... um. <laughs> Yeah, it was really exciting. We like this was the the next step. We were able to get fourteen eggs, and like we were excited. We I think before we'd even left recovery, we called my parents and and called your parents and mm. grandparents, and like we were taking photos of your hand yeah. and all these different things. Like we were just we were really excited. We pumped. Yeah, we but like. Because still needed to obviously see how many we're gonna yeah, so make the make the time and how many we're gonna fertilize and yeah so they once we were discharged we sort of went home and knew to expect a call the following day that would tell us how many were mature and how many had fertilized overnight so the standard like IVF they take the eggs and put them into I guess, separate Petri dishes and put some sperm in there and let nature take its course. Yeah, I guess they wanted to do it as naturally as possible. Like, we didn't want to... Yeah, so the other option was ICSI, but we thought, like, IVF would be the right way for us to go. Yeah, and on the suggestion from our doctor as well, like, he was was really confident that this was the way that we needed to go. Yeah. So I, you went back to work the following day and I stayed home because I was a bit tender and a bit bloated and uncomfortable. And the trigger shot that I'd done was, oh God, something beginning with D where it leads to a freeze or cycle. So I was in hopes of making sure I didn't hyperstimulate. Um, But yeah, I sort of did all the home remedies as well. I was drinking the Powerade and staying away from carbs and doing all those things at home. and Wearing those lovely compression socks. I love a good pair of compression socks. Um, But yeah, I was waiting around for the phone call that we were expecting about lunchtime and I think he started checking in with me about 10.30 to see if they'd called. Yeah, I've never been a patient person, so I was... um... I was, I guess it was part excitement, part nerves, that, and it was sort of starting to get the better of me. I, I really wanted to have an understanding of, of what was going on and where we were at. And, like, 
looking back on it now, it's like very silly, but it, like the, even though it's very early stages, like we needed to sort of understand what was going on. I, I needed to You under- needed all of the information and all of the updates. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, they didn't call or, well, they didn't call. No. You ended up giving them a call just to find out what was going on and... Yeah, and they, um, they weren't able to give me any information at that point and said that they would give me a call back. Um, so, yeah, so they said that's all good. We'll wait for a call back and we'll go from there. I think I let you know that I had called them. Mm. Um, and then not very long after I, I received that phone call and it was just to, to let us know that that none of the eggs had fertilized. Um, yeah, it was very, very difficult news to, to take. Like yeah. I, I it did, wasn't something I even knew could happen. Yeah, I did. <laughs> it's so true. Like, it's, it was so... Like, even now, like, I, like thinking about it, like, I'm super taken back. Like, I'm, I'm speechless because, like... How did it happen? Why, why did it? Why did nothing fertilize? Yeah. And I guess it goes back to those high fives that I was giving myself <laughs> after, after getting amazing results in my sperm analysis. Yeah. Was this time, was it my fault? Like, yeah. did my eggs not... Your eggs. My, my eggs. <laughs> did my sperm not have the That's strength? That's the issue. We've both got eggs. Oh, no. <laughs> Do my sperm not have, like, the strength to penetrate the egg? Or? Yeah, so they asked you if you wanted to call me or if you wanted them to call me and explain things. Yeah, and I, I was a mess. Like, I was all over the place, so I just said to them that I would like them to call you. Yeah, and they, they called me and they said, look, we've already spoken to Joseph and we're very sorry, but none of your eggs have fertilised. And they sort of didn't go into anything with me, but they said that our doctor would give me a call when he was available. And so I was with mum at that point and she asked, you know, excitedly what they'd said. And I looked at her and just went, well, nothing happened. And I think she was in the same headspace of, well, what do you mean nothing happened? Like that's, you know, you don't expect that. You expect Worst case scenario, you get one embryo. Yeah. But we had nothing and, yeah, it was a bit of shock and yeah, sadness and what the fuck. Yeah, like nothing, absolutely nothing. Like you feel like you've just gone through all of that and then there's nothing. Yeah. And I think, I know it's ridiculous, but in my head I was like, that was 14 possible babies. What if one, like, what if one of those was the baby we were meant to have? And, yeah. You know, just all these ridiculous thoughts that you have in that moment. But yeah, the uh, specialist called me a little bit later on, and he was—he seemed genuinely shocked at what had happened, and he was apologetic, and you know, sort of went into details a bit more and said that it could be an issue with the eggs and uh, the shell, I suppose, of the egg, or it could be an issue with the sperm, with attaching and entering the egg. 
Uh, but it was something that he thought that we could resolve by going the ICSI route at that point. And so that was his suggestion. And yeah, I think we sort of made an appointment to go back and discuss it with him after we'd had a chance to debrief and see each other and talk about it. Yeah, we just, we, I think we just needed to take a little bit of time for us at that point. Yeah. Like we, I believe we went back in and saw him pretty quickly, but at the same time we, we sort of said let's take a month and recuperate. Like we'd just done three IUIs back-to-back, mm-hmm. had a one-period break, and then straight into a egg collection yeah. that was unsuccessful yeah and it was so that was february and my birthday was in the march and i sort of i think at that point hit hit a wall and became a little bit depressed and resentful of life and our situation and sort of went into my shell deleted social media and just needed some some time to process what had happened and decide what we wanted to do yeah, it was it was such a difficult time, I mean, like it was. I believe at this point where we were started talking about like adoption and yeah. and looking at foster kids because we we didn't want to give up on the dream of having kids, but we but, just weren't sure if we were going to be able to do it ourselves. Yeah, we yeah. didn't. I think this is when we became very unsure of whether IVF was going to be able to help us. Yeah, so we decided that we would do the ICSI round in May. So that was May 2017 at that point. Um, So we did the same protocol again, so the same drugs, the same amount. Um, Went back in for egg collection. I think it was the exact same amount of days that we had done the last round and it all looked really good and everything. Yeah, we, we mirrored that really. Yeah. We just did exactly the same as what we had done in yeah. the last one. Like it was, at the end of the day, it was successful Oops. apart from the fertilization of the yeah, eggs. So that was the one, one part that we changed was that the ICSI round, so they were going to take the strongest looking sperm and inject one of those into each egg mm. um, to take that unknown factor away. Yeah, we sort of went back in and I think that one was about lunchtime or mid-morning and we were nowhere near as joyful or playful as we had been the previous time. And no, as you mentioned before, like it was a it was a pretty dark time. Yeah. Like we I personally think that we were still in mourning from shock. The f- last round. Yeah. I of- think We'd had a lot of conversations during that break as well about, you know, if even if this did bring us some embryos, we would have, we'd give a transfer a shot. And when that didn't work, we were going to take a long break and go on a holiday or do some things that were on our bucket list and that we didn't think we'd be able to do once we had kids. And sort of planning for a future without children, I suppose, at that point. Yeah, well, I guess as we never really recovered and we, and we really didn't think that it was going to be possible. Like no. we, 
we had almost lost all hope. We were just doing this because it was just the next step. Yeah, I think we were ticking boxes. Like, we wanted that final chapter. Like, if this wasn't going to work, then we needed to do it to know that it wasn't going to work and close the door on it. Um, But, yeah, so we were both a bit down. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, same sort of thing. We went up and waited and they took me through and you went down and repeated your process and... Yeah. I went back through to the back room and then out the doors on the stretcher and <laughs> into the lift to the surgical ward. Um, but, yeah, and then woke up in recovery and sort of went, oh, guess I'll look at my hand. And that time we had 21 eggs and that sort of lifted my spirits a little bit because I'm a bit superstitious about numbers and 21's one of my favourite numbers. Um, but yeah, same same thing went through to recovery, and you came and met me, and yeah, it was. I guess it was a. There was that sense of excitement, like when once we we'd had the the eggs, and once they were there, and I guess it was it was just a small step, but yeah. it was sort of what we needed because at the end of the day, like it was more than what we got last time, so we were like cheering. We were yeah, we were happy about that. But at the same time, like terrified, terrified, like we didn't know what the next next day was going to yeah. hold for us. So, and like this time when we had gone through, we didn't tell anybody. No, we kept these our cards very close to yeah. our chest. And, and I think like the first time when we got home, like my family had been and changed the bed sheets and given the house a quick spruce up and left flowers and things, which was lovely. And then, yeah, the second time we sort of had none of that and we sort of didn't want to be excited or happy or no. have anyone know what was going on. Yeah, it was, it, was def- it, was, it was almost like we felt like we were letting our family down yeah. by not being able to do it. <laughs> give them grandkids and great grandkids. So it, it was just something that we had to do on our own that time. Yeah. But yeah, so we went home and then the next day, same thing, you went off to work and I stayed at home drinking my Powerade and... Wearing your compression socks. Wearing my lovely compression socks. And I think they actually called us quite a bit earlier that day. They called you? Yeah. I remember after the last time I was like, I don't think I'll be able to handle the phone calls anymore. So (laughs) I handed those duties back over to Tiff. I know she doesn't like to talk on the phone but it was something that i didn't i was going to be at work and you didn't want to deal with it again no well i spent like 45 minutes sobbing last time (laughs) because i felt like a failure yeah so but yeah they um gave me a call and you know they said from the 21 eggs 17 were mature enough to have a go at and insert the sperm into and they were very hopeful um everything was looking good and you know, we would get daily updates from that point. And so our five-day update, there was nine that were ready for freeze. Yeah. Um, and they sort of said, you know, there's two or three that we're keeping an eye on that we're quite happy with and we'll give them another day. And they called us on the sixth day and said, you know, we've put another two in the freezer. So we had 11 embryos, which was a bit, Shell shocking, I guess. Yeah, it was a football team, a <laughs> soccer team. Like we, I was, 
like tips numbers 21 and then like number 11 i was just like taken back like i was like 11 like that's a whole soccer team yeah we're not going to be able to deal with that we have to get a couple of minivans <laughs> um but yeah so we had elected to do the same uh trigger shot which meant a freeze or cycle so we timed out to be june the end of june that we would have the transfer so they put me on the pill to um sort of bring a cycle on um so i took i don't know a week or two of the pill and then stopped to get a period and we went in for the transfer and uh, i don't think you know first transfer you don't think it's gonna work so no, we had no expectations no like we were excited and we were happy with what had happened but we sort of didn't think anything would come of it and no they gave us that little photo of the, yeah, of the embryo. Of the embryo. But yeah, it's, you know, transfers aren't, you go in and you they open you up and put a catheter in and yeah, it's not romantic. There's no vodka cruises. There's no, no mood music. It's all very sterile and you've got a nurse and the doctor and the embryologist and your partner all, all in the room. That's it takes five people to create a baby. Yeah, and and some heavy-duty equipment. Um, but, yeah, we, we left that and sort of promised the nurse that we weren't going to do any home pregnancy tests. And Yeah, well, I think after, like, because you, you had that shot on the day. Yeah, so they did a um, HCG, so an ovidrill shot on the day of transfer as well as on the day of my ovulation prior to that. Sort of give you a boost. Yeah, yeah, and just to make sure things were happening when we needed them to happen. And yeah, yeah. So we we realised that that would still be in my system, and we agreed that we wouldn't do a test. And you were very adamant that we wouldn't do a test. And we made it today five of the two week wait, and <laughs> you were like, "Do a test, do a <laughs> test. Go on, you do what it. What are we you waiting for?" And so I went into the bathroom and did the test and put it on the bench beside the bathroom sink and went back after about three minutes and went well that hasn't fucking worked and threw the test at the bin and walked out and you went into the bathroom to see for yourself yeah tiff does it tiff wears glasses and <laughs> so she doesn't always wear her glasses but um yeah i went back in and had a look and there was just this small small the most faint line that I've ever seen. And like, it's like all those tests that you see online and stuff like that uh, of people. And you, you see these strong lines, but there was this little faint line. Then I took it back and I was like, there's a line, babe. Yeah. And I put my glasses on and held it up to the light and went, oh, well, it's probably just the drugs. And yeah. I think that was the hard part because that was like the we first sure. thought. Yeah. Like we, just, we just thought that maybe the drugs were still. In, in your system. system yeah but yeah we sort of did a test or two each day after that and they kept getting darker and we thought i think at that point like oh maybe it's a chemical pregnancy maybe it's eptopic like it's not a baby like this isn't this isn't how it works for us we're no. not we're not lucky we don't we don't have good things happen That's anymore it. if it wasn't for bad luck we'd have no luck at all yeah so we were sort of waiting for the blood test and that was on another work day and I took the day off 
just because I don't handle the stress of waiting very well. And I think you had spoken to your boss by this yeah, stage. Yeah, she and, knew and what was going on at that it, stage and she was very supportive. and Very understanding. Yeah, she was wonderful. And, yeah, we you went off to work and I got up early, I think about the same time that you were leaving for work and yeah. took myself off to the blood clinic that opened at 630 and waited around with the pensioners until they let us in. And the benefit of IVF, I think, is they write urgent on all of your referrals for pathology. So I got to be seen first and, you know, I was home by seven and thought that we would have a call by lunchtime, but spent most of the day waiting and you came home from work. Yeah, I was very impatient. Like I called you a few times through the day and yeah, I was I was expecting like that because of the urgent notes and yeah. them realizing that it was IVF and it was yeah. a pregnancy test and all of this that like, Yeah, well, they get do that. multiple pickups from yeah. the pathology. So we just sort of assumed that it would be in one of the early pickups yeah. and tested quickly and we'd have an answer, but I think I gave them a call about lunchtime and they said they hadn't received the results yet and to call them back after three if I hadn't heard anything. Yeah, by this stage I was home from work and I was sort of trying to find any excuse to try and stay busy and I think I had to go, I think I went and borrowed a whippersnipper um, over the other side of town. So like I was out for an hour or so and called Tiff when I was about to leave and I was like, have you heard anything yet? And her answer was a, no, 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 nothing yet. Yeah, so I decided to have a nap when you went out because I just didn't want to wait anymore. And they called me back just after I'd woken up and sort of said, congratulations, you're pregnant. And I went, oh, okay, (laughs) all right. And yeah, waited for you to get home and had set up a little bun in the oven for you to stumble upon. You were making pizza. Yeah, I said I was making pizza and asked you to get it out the oven. And yeah, that was my cheesy Pinterest announcement. (laughs) Yeah, we were both sobbing at that point and happy. Yeah, I guess like after doing all of those home tests... Nothing really, it didn't seem real. No. And even after the blood test, like, it still didn't seem real. No. Well, that's, so we went in, like, our fertility specialist called to congratulate us and arrange an appointment for us to go in and have a dating scan, which I think was about seven weeks. Yeah. So we had a bit of a wait until we did that, and we sort of, I don't know, we just... We just didn't think it was real and we didn't think everything was going to be okay. And no, we went into that and we saw the little blob on the screen and had a little heartbeat. Yeah. And I, I didn't, I don't think I felt anything like it was just, I felt very detached. Yeah. And like the fertility specialist was congratulating us and hugging me and all of these things. And I was like, yeah, thanks, but I'm, I'm probably going to be back soon like you know this isn't this isn't gonna work yeah and yeah i think that sort of stayed with us through the whole pregnancy yeah we did there was never uh 
an expectation of setting out in the pregnancy. Like we we thought that there was going to be more complications. Yeah, but thankfully we had a healthy baby. You're very good at being pregnant. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Um, but yeah, we we were successful with that first transfer, which blew us away. And I think with the um, IVF journey, like there's a lot of impacts on relationships and friendships and for us like for myself I felt a lot of resentment at times to you just in the sense of I was going through all of these things and like as understanding and as caring as you were it was it was all on me to you know get up and do these injections and cope with the physical aspect and it's not it's not rational or it's not right or justified but I think it's just something that you experience and you have to work through and you know I had to ask for some understanding from you and some some extra love I suppose to get me through that yeah and yeah I think like it was very difficult to see because yeah. I could see the further that we went into our journey, the more difficult it got and the more difficult each procedure was. Yeah. Especially when you, each procedure you receive a negative upon a negative and then another yeah. negative and then you try something different and it's negative again. Like it was really difficult to see the dark place that it was taking you. Yeah. And as you say, like as a, as a male, like we, well, not everybody, but for myself, my job in this was to ejaculate into a cup. Mm. Other than that, like I was an emotional support. Like that's what yeah. I had to do. Sometimes I was not the best. Yeah. Like you were dealing with your own sort of. Yeah, reaction a, to it and yeah. your own emotions and I'm mean, like a, I'm a very emotional person and I've felt that this was probably the biggest roller coaster that I had been on yeah so um I, I feel like it's sort of branched out into our friendships as well like you know when friends would tell us that they were pregnant and even if they did it in you know the best way it was still hard to hear and I would often cry and it wasn't so much that I was mad or upset with them like I was ecstatic for them but it was just hard to know that we wouldn't be pregnant and having kids with our friends and at the same time as our friends and all of those things and I guess I don't know from a male perspective like it I don't know if that's something guys really talk about like no not really what support you sort of got from your friendships and yeah it was very difficult at the same time like and it was more difficult because i would see the see what would happen once those people had left yeah or once those people had finished telling you and like what what the after effects or seen announcements on facebook yeah (laughs) and it was very difficult but um like from a male perspective like it's it's not really spoken about. I was yeah. lucky enough to have a couple of friends that that were open and, and that I spoke to about our journey and, and they were very understanding. Mm. Um, 
but like on the friendship side of things it was very difficult like we closed ourselves off yeah from a lot of friendships and i think the further we got into the journey that was the more we closed ourselves off yeah i think we were quite open and honest at the start as well like we told our families and you know we sort of told people to get them off our backs really in some cases where people were asking us when we were going to have kids and all of those things and it's sort of well we were very open from the very start of our relationship that we wanted yeah family and and kids and and people would see that in the people that we were in the sense that we did have very good relationships with kids in our lives and yeah, friends' the, kids. And exactly, and, and we were at birthday parties and... Babysitting and... Yeah, and so, like, people would see that and they would, they would be like, oh, when are you going to have kids? And yeah. So I think that's what made... It was sort of like a defence for me by the point we were getting treatment because it was like, stop asking, like... I think there was a point where people would ask and I would cry. <laughs> yeah, like it was very difficult. Like, so because we were so open at the start and so many people knew that we were going through it mm. and sort of the, the deeper we got into it, the more we wished we had told nobody. Yeah, or been like, a bit more selective at least. Yeah, so I think once we got to that last round of egg collection and, and the transfer, we, we hadn't told anybody. Yeah. I think we sort of kept our cards really close to our chest and we were, because we were still hurting from... The failed the, round. Yeah, failed rounds. Yeah. So we really wanted to be able to not have to answer to anybody if we did fail again. Yeah. I think it was really difficult for me, like in the sense of getting unsolicited advice or in the times where I did sort of open up to friends or people in our lives about what was going on and, you know, it's a difficult process and you're constantly questioning if you're doing the right thing and am I just flushing money down the toilet and should I be, should I be putting this money towards, you know, a house or paying off debt or all of these things and, you know, you sort of, you talk to people to try and, ease your own thought process and you know they'll say oh it's it's just money or everybody has problems like you know there's worse things in the world yeah and I think that was like it was difficult to see um like I can't remember receiving too much yourself yeah too much bad advice like there's definitely remarks that you hear and like everybody's got problems that but it's the last thing that somebody that's going through fertility treatment wants yeah. to hear. And I think, like, I was seeking, like, I needed support and I needed, you know, to talk about it. And when you when you get those comments, it's a kick in the guts. And I think the best advice I can give to anyone who is having someone open up to you about their fertility journey is to listen and you know, they're not waiting for you to fix their problem. You don't need to necessarily give them advice. They just want some understanding and, you know, ask them, what can I do for you? You know, walk away from the conversation and go and do some reading on what IVF involves and the physical aspect and come back and say, you know, 
I did some reading and, you know, what, what stage are you up to? Like, yeah, I think that was a big one. Like the, the, the further we got into the journey, that there was the sort of the tighter of the group that we had, the people that we were open with and they were the people that were understanding under, and yeah, they, yeah. And some of them were going through the journey themselves yeah. or had been through it. Yeah. Um, and I think that was, I don't know, like I feel like the people that have been through IVF, there's a kinship. Yeah, there, there is, and it's a very tight group, and it's a very understanding group. Yeah, like and we I, were very lucky in our journey. Yeah, we were a year between our first visit to our fertility specialist and our finding Pregnancy. out that Tiff was pregnant. Yeah, we were very fortunate, and I think sometimes that played into our disbelief and our stress that, you know, it had been too easy. Yeah. And I think, like, I know that I felt a lot of guilt with that as well. Yeah, well, you've, you've got so many close friends and that have been through years Their and own, years yeah. of treatment. And yeah, I feel like we got off pretty easy. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, just being a good support person for your friends and family if they are going through that and... Ask questions. Yeah. And like, don't, don't try and fix it. Just listen. Yeah. And I think, yeah, asking, what do you need from me? Do you need a distraction? Do you need me to listen? Yeah. And going from there. I think as well, like in our friendship circle, when people did tell us that they were pregnant, I really appreciated when it was in private or it was via text message or, you know, when it gave me the space to deal with it. Yeah, we were very, I think we were very lucky. Apart from like the the odd one that popped up on Facebook and stuff yeah. like that. And, and some of them are completely out of the blue. And, uh, and sometimes it's people that you, you're not even close to, really close to. <laughs> yeah. But you're just like, why, 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 why? But we were very fortunate. Um, we had some very close friends of ours who were in our wedding party. They were a bridesmaid and a groomsman at our wedding. And, and they took the time to come and see Tiffany and I on our own, knowing that we were going to IVF and... Um, I don't think they knew exactly where we were with our journey. No, but when, when they visited, they sort of asked us where we were at and yeah. what was going on and how we were feeling. And They spent a good 40 minutes talking to us about yeah, listening, us. Listening to us talk about ourselves. Yeah. And then, yeah, told us that they were pregnant and, you know, didn't, didn't make me feel bad when I did cry. Yeah. And, like, it wasn't crying out of anger or jealousy. It was crying out of sadness for me and being completely overjoyed and happy for them. And This is a friend that you would had for since high school. Yeah, and someone and I'd imagined being pregnant with and yeah. raising kids together with. And, yeah, I think, like, we're forever thankful to them for approaching it in that way. and having that understanding and allowing us to have that space to deal with it and yeah they've been very amazing friends over the years and i think that 
really was one of those points in our life where we just were so grateful yeah for what they did yeah and really forever thankful because it it was amazing yeah it was probably the best way that they could have told us yeah i think if we went back to the start and sort of could give ourselves any advice it would probably be to seek probably professional help when we needed it as far as talking yeah like we saw a counselor but she wasn't a good fit we only did two sessions with her and the second session she sort of she had called to try and make it a bit earlier and we couldn't get there because of work and she sort of an hour session was about 30 minutes before she sort of made us feel like we needed to leave so we never went back yeah it was it it was it made it hard yeah because you, like you thought well if they can't help and yeah why should we go and seek something else out but yeah. um yeah i would i would just say strap yourself in like yeah. I, I don't think like it's huge a huge learning curve and i was very lucky that you were very willing and understanding in the sense of sending me information and and just taking the time to to read it mm. like a, educating yourself is probably the most important part yeah. of this yeah and i um, think yeah sort of not being scared to get some support when you need it and yeah keep trying until you find the right support yeah don't just do what we did and <laughs> give up get the shits with one and then never look again yeah put them all in the same bucket do you feel like um fertility treatments have impacted how we parent and our postpartum period at all i think like after everything being so rigid and and managed managed along the way like the whole ivf journey i feel like once we were pregnant we wanted to be able to do things as freely and as naturally as possible yeah so we after our uh, dating scan we sort of were released from the fertility specialist and decided to go down a private midwifery route and that sort of led to me wanting to do things I guess differently to how I'd always thought I would do them and I think the whole process of how long it took us to get pregnant gave us time to have conversations that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily have about parenting before becoming parents like we talked about how we wanted to parent and you know what was important to us and our values and we had a lot of conversations that people probably don't have until they are parenting and a disagreement comes up yeah like we explored a lot of issues that you know weren't standard conversation i guess and yeah we i wanted to breastfeed and do extended breastfeeding and i wanted to have a natural birth and yeah we sort of threw ourselves into reading and getting as much education about that as we could to sort of have that experience of natural and <laughs> yeah, I guess there's there's a lot of things about birth that you don't that are never spoken about. Yeah, and I think too because 
we had been through that process of IVF that we felt like we needed to be prepared and we needed to study and do all of these things for birth and yeah. looked into it way more than we would have otherwise. Yeah. Thank you for sticking around and listening to us talk about our journey and you know, I hope that if there is anyone that's facing similar issues that you can take something away that might help and you know if you are a family or a friend of someone going through it that you have a bit more insight now and yeah so thanks for having me on like I I really appreciate the the time that we have been able to sort of sit and talk about this like it's brought back a lot of good memories for me yeah a lot of hard ones and and difficult ones to to comprehend but at the same time we got what we wanted in the end yeah yeah well thanks for talking to me about it and there were a lot of things i've forgotten had to look up and google yeah it's been a while you know like our daughter's almost two years old and there was a bit of pregnancy in there and (laughs) and then a year and a year of uh ivf so it 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 is a while ago but at the same time it's uh it's still fresh in our memories and we're still very grateful for the journey that we went on and then even more grateful for the results that we were able to get yeah thanks for coming to you andrew i'll see you later like you okay bye love you so much for joining us today we hope you enjoyed this episode if you like listening to the podcast and would like to share your story we will pop the link in the show notes be sure to hit subscribe so when we release new episodes it lands straight into your listen now if you could also leave us a review for the show that would be so appreciated no words are needed just stars If you're on the Apple app, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and tap to rate. This makes a massive difference to our show's visibility and helps us to get our show out and about to others experiencing fertility treatment. IVF Tales is an independent production made by Amy and I. Music is by Volod Gilyshenko. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts.